This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Welcome to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today we dive deeper into the chess match. Welcome in. We are live here on this Friday. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at LockedOnATL. I'm at Mark Zeno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Of course, now we are on Roku TV, so make sure you get an Amazon Fire Stick. Download the Roku TV app and watch Locked On Sports Atlanta every single day on Roku TV. We have got so much to do here on this football Friday. We'll get into the Falcons. We have the huge series between the Braves and the Mets and what really is on the line and the uphill battle for the loser of this series. We'll do that. Of course, uh, we have Thursday Night Football to get to in the events of last night. Wow, they were uh, shocking and surprising to say the least. And hopefully we'll have time for some uh, NFL and college picks before the end of the show. So plenty to do here on this Friday edition. Appreciate you guys joining me here on A to Z. All right. Atlanta Falcons, Cleveland Browns. You know, I, I talked earlier in the week about um, the coaching matchup between Kevin Stefanski of the Browns and Arthur Smith of the Falcons and how much that is going to be on display on Sunday. And that is 100% true, but I dove a little bit deeper into some of the nuances of the game. And there are some things here that are. Um, troubling for the Atlanta Falcons to say the least when you start to dive into this matchup a little bit more and it makes me very nervous for the Atlanta Falcons and what they're about to face uh when you look at some analytics and I don't know how much you guys are into analytics um you know, I am not the biggest analytics guy in the world, but I believe that they have a place and I believe that there are certain things about analytics that can be predictive, right? And tell us a little bit about, you know, what we're looking at uh, when it comes to any given subset of a game. So the Cleveland Browns obviously have a very good run game and the Falcons run defense this year, middle of the road. I think they're allowing like 109 yards per game. It's like 15th or 16th in the league. Much better than any of us would have ever expected. But when you start to dive a little bit deeper into what we are looking at here when it comes to how good the Falcons defense is against the run, it starts to get a little bit unpleasant. So the Browns this year, okay, have played – Three opponents, the Panthers, the Jets, and the Steelers. Those other teams, those three teams, have played six other non-Browns opponents, right? They played the Brown once, and they played two others for three games. Those three teams, Panthers, Jets, and uh, Steelers, have averaged 3.4 yards per carry versus those defenses. All right, so their other opponents have held them to 3.4 yards per carry versus defense. That's equivalent to the sixth best run defense in the NFL. The Browns, however have averaged five yards per carry versus those same defense. That's 40%, 47% over the expected rate. Now, the Falcons' run D allows 4.8 yards per carry. That's 21st in the NFL. So long story short here, when you start to cut through all the analytics, if the Browns can average five yards per carry, 
okay? And the Atlanta defense allows five yards per carry. Second and five and probably third and one are going to be very advantageous for Cleveland and not so much for the Atlanta Falcons. This whole game is going to come down to who wins on the ground. And really, Dean Peace, for all of his bluster and everything else, this is on him and scheme to be able to figure out because you'll know real quick whether it's execution or it's scheme, right? It's one thing if they're getting five yards and getting tackled, okay? That is that is scheme because they are putting big on big. If they start breaking big, long runs routinely, that's execution. Because on a run play, theoretically, offensively, you design a hat on a hat, right? And and, and running back only has to beat one guy. That's it. So uh, that's kind of how it works on a on a deep on an offensive standpoint. But that means the Falcons should be able to have a ball tackler uh, against somebody with the ball. I say all this again to say that that's a key part of this thing. The other thing that I think is critical, and you'll look at this on Sunday. Cleveland has the fifth best team in the NFL right now in third down conversion rate at 47.8%. Atlanta's not bad themselves at 40% this year, okay? But why is Cleveland so good on third down? Well, because they have themselves continually in third and short situations. Very manageable for a limited quarterback like Jacoby Brissett. How well can the Falcons get off the field on third down? If they're out there a lot and they can't get off the field and they keep moving the chains, they're going to be in trouble. They are absolutely going to be in trouble. And the the other part of this, which third down leads to, is uh, you know who has the best time of possession stat in the NFL this year? You guessed it. Cleveland Browns, 35 minutes and 36 seconds per game. And what should be more impressive than anything about Cleveland is last year with a perceived better quarterback in Baker Mayfield. Uh, third down conversion rate for the season last year, 39%. Now it's up to 47. Time of possession last year, they were at 30 minutes, 48 seconds. Now they're up almost five minutes through three games this year. You know what that is, guys? That's coaching. 100% coaching. It's all it is. It's let me be better than you. And oh, by the way, the, the road games Cleveland has played this year, they've held onto the ball for 38 minutes. Eh. Guess that's important. So this is a very easy formula. Falcons have to get off the field on third down, and they've somehow got to stop the run on first. Look for that when you watch this game. How many yards does Cleveland get on the ground on first down? If they keep getting four and five yards, long day for Atlanta. Don't like the matchup. That's just the reality of it, guys. I can't, excuse me, I can't make it any more plain. And that's enough for me to look at this matchup and go, nah, stay away. Uh, It doesn't look like it's going to end well. Because I always believe, again, when you run the ball and you run it with that sort of authority, uh, you're going to be be in control of the game and the tempo. And that's ultimately what you want to do. So a very, very, very uncomfortable spot for the Atlanta Falcons as they take on the Cleveland Browns. And I would love to see how Arthur Smith and Dean Peace are going to counter this. I, I'm I'm genuinely curious into this chess match. I'm genuinely curious to see who uh, gets the better end of this. Now, I lean on Cleveland just due to Kevin Stefanski's track record, but 
you know, it's not often, and I don't can't recall last year, um, but I think the focus was a lot different. But this year, and how much we've seen this team prepare better, um, they may get their ass kicked on Sunday up front. And if they don't, that's a hell of a hell of a job by the coaching staff. Because Cleveland isn't shy about what they're going to do. They're going to tell you, hey, we're going to come up, we're going to run right at you. Stop us, we dare you. It's one of the best O-lines in the league. Top three, top five O-line in all the NFL. And outside of Grady Jarrett, the Falcons don't exactly have a depress, uh, an impressive defensive line, but that doesn't mean that they can't play better like they have for the first couple of games this year. So, not liking the spot. But let's see how the chess match unfolds. All right, Braves have a huge series. What is really on the line here is much more than just beating your rival. First, a word from our friends at betonline.net. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league. College football, NFL, huge stuff right there on the site right now. Major League Baseball, you got NBA, NHL getting started. Combat sports, esports, even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting, scores, podcasts, they've got you covered with everything. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action that's happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, game starts tonight for the Braves against the New York Mets for all the marbles, as they say. Marbles, huevos, you got it all. Now, um, obviously, winning the division is preferential. The Mets only need to win one game to have the season tiebreaker, right? Uh, and if the Mets win tonight, my guess is it almost feels locked up because then what happens is in game two, um, if the Mets win, they clinch because then they would be three games up, right? With four left to play, or they clinch a tie at least, I think. Anyway, yeah, no, whatever. You get the point. It's not good. So the Braves have to win tonight um, because the Mets only need to win one. But this is how the rotation and, and the teams purposely set their rotations for this series, knowing what was on deck. Um, and remember, the regular season ends on Wednesday next week. So you get a Thursday off day, and then whoever's in the wild card is playing on Friday. So if the Mets don't win the division, right, in the wild card, they've set it up for Jacob DeGrom in game one, Max Scherzer game two, and Chris Bassett in game three if necessary. Division series, okay, then would probably if, if they have to go to three games, it's either Taiwan Walker, Carlos Carrasco. Then you get DeGrom and Scherzer in game two and game three, but you don't see them any other time in the division series. So your two aces only go once, or one of the two of them only goes once, right? Then that puts you into the division series where you might be able to have something. I mean, uh, the LCS, you might be able to have something set up. For the Braves here, and th th there is one sort of uh, hiccup, one sort of real, you know, uh, wrench in the works here, and that's Spencer Strider, but more on that in a moment again. So the Braves would start Max Fried and Kyle Wright in game one and two, and then if they have to go three games, it's Charlie Morton. But dear Lord, look at the start of the NLDS. Bryce Elder or Jake Odorizzi? Yuck. I would assume Elder would get the ball because Odorizzi's been terrible. 
But here's the real here's the real rub for the Braves and why they have a little bit of an advantage over the Mets if they don't win the division. So all won't be lost. Max Fried, Kyle Wright. Let's just say uh, they go to three three games. It's Charlie Morton. In reality, what Brian Snitker could do is hold out Spencer Strider for game one of the NLDS. Or what he really does is pitches Strider in game three if it gets there, okay, because that's probably the best guy on your staff to go. And that way you could start Morton in game one and come back with Freed and Wright in game two, right? I mean, that's the one ace in the hole that Snicker has here. And what's on the line for this series is that if he doesn't start Spencer Strider in game two of the wild card round, if the Braves don't win the division, then guess what? Now, if the Braves win the division, that is huge because it gives uh, Strider a whole week, an extra week to get ready. Because game one of the NLDS doesn't start until Tuesday, October 11th, as opposed to Friday, October 7th. So if he is able to go, and again, um, if Strider is able to go in the NLDS and have to skip over the wild card round, which, again, might be the plan, I think that's the smartest way to play it. You know, oblique injuries are very, very weird. All he could do is throw two innings and it could restrain itself and you're done. Then you're forced playing a bullpen game in a playoff game, which is not what you want to do. At least it's not ideal. But I think that flexibility is there, and I think it's huge. I think it is huge for the Braves. So I wouldn't even be opposed to doing that just based off the injury. Although I've said repeatedly, Strider should be the game two starter of any playoff series that you're in. I 100% believe that. I said it back in July. I 100% believe that still. All that said, with the injury, you have to play things a little bit differently. And if you want to play them differently, guess what? Leave them till the LDS. Trust that Morton can get you out of a game three. Or again, you pitch him in game three of the LDS, which isn't a full week, but... Sunday, October 9th, start close. So that's how it sets up. And that's really what's on the line is the rest of the playoffs. Because I don't think the loser of this series and who gets the wild card, their chances of getting out of the LDS are very, very slim. I just, I don't like it. you got to go up against either the Dodgers or the Mets again um, without your aces going one of them at least going twice in a five-game series. So you get three of your five starts with your best pitchers. It's a real, real tough road to hoe. You're going to have to go beat a pitcher you shouldn't beat, and that's tough. All right, uh, we got some shovels of wisdom to hand out. Uh, and not only that, well, where it's going is pretty obvious at this point in time uh, because there's a bigger discussion there. And we'll get into some NFL and college picks for – uh, this weekend, but first a word from our friends at Coffee AM, the best small batch coffee roaster in America. Why? Because they're so good at what they do, because their coffee is so good. It's so fresh. It's roasted and shipped on the same day or close to it. That box is going to come to your house, guys, when you open it. It's going to smell amazing. And these are coffees from all over the world. Tanzania, Sumatra, Kenya, Costa Rica. Pick a place that makes coffee. 
Coffee AM is going to get it to you. Huge menu of coffees, teas, and gift sets. And you can check them out online at coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Use that coupon code locked on at checkout to get 15% off your first order of Coffee AM. These are the freshest, best coffees out there, guys. It's my morning routine. Wake up, drop the Coffee AM right in the K-Cup, right in the Keurig, and get myself started that way every single day. Fresh, delicious just amazing. Coffeeam.com backslash locked on and the coupon code locked on at checkout. All right. Uh, we all know where this shovel is going, so let's get to it. Brace yourselves because it's time for the shovel of wisdom. Yeah, if you'd like to give it out of shovel, you could be so on my Twitter account at Mark Zino, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. And make sure you use the hashtag Shovel of Wisdom. Today, my shovel goes to the Miami Dolphins, the NFL, and all their doctors and all this crap. We all know why at this point in time, right? Um, if you watched the game last night, you were talking about Loa. Um, left the game um, and on a stretcher and had to go to the hospital. Uh, he was thrown down to the ground on the sack, and uh, it was ugly. Uh, it was an ugly scene, and it could have been avoided. Uh, it should have been avoided. That's the other part. should have been avoided. And it was not. Um, and the scary part, you see Tua, you know, he has that typical concussion thing where his fingers were all jacked up and stuck in a weird position and his arms were, you know, locked up, um, which we've seen all too many times, you know. And then, of course, we heard, you know, all week long that it wasn't a concussion. Last week against the Bills, it was a back injury. Um, and he returned to snap to play in the game after halftime, even though after he, he got up, he fell down. I mean, it, it was – Here's the problem, okay? And I said this to people on Twitter last night, and people were just maniacally stupid about it. But uh, this is not part of the game. This is not something you should normalize. Guys going to the hospital is not something you should normalize. And you don't write it off as well, oh, it's part of the game. No. It needs to be mitigated, and it needs to be eliminated. How do you eliminate stiffy contact sport? Hey, dummy, he shouldn't have been out there. I'm not saying you can eliminate every head hits. Sending guys to the hospital is absolutely something you can all but eliminate. You can get real darn close. Freak accidents happen, but head injury stuff, you can all but eliminate. And you should eliminate it. I mean, the idea that last night wasn't preventable is silly. Of course it was preventable. He should not have been playing. And Chris Nowinski, who is as smart as they are and one of the leaders against concussions or, or fighting concussions, remember he was a former WWE superstar, um, you know, and he works at the, like, he works like Boston University or something where really smart people hang out. But he tweeted this out before the game started. If Tua takes the field, it's a massive step back for concussion care in the NFL. If he has a second concussion that destroys his season or career, everyone involved will be sued and should lose their jobs, coaches including. We all saw it. We... We all saw it, even though they must know this isn't right. Because, again, the NFL, uh, you know, pumped up Tua and and Joe Burrow in their primetime sports, right? Uh, and the problem here that I see is that I've seen a couple of people make that contention last night that, oh, you know, uh, people will be sued, should lose their jobs and everything else. Guys, um, there's only one person right now, who can sue anybody for any sort of negligence. You know who that is? 
It's Tua. So if Tua is going to sue her, guess what else he's doing? Ending his playing career in the NFL. He'll effectively be blackballed by all the owners. Plain and simple. We've seen it before, folks. Don't act like we haven't. Don't act like we haven't seen a player get blackballed out of the NFL for any given reason. We have. Who's going to sue the NFL? Are are the Dolphins going to sue their own doctors? No. Is the league going to sue the Dolphins? No. Who's suing the NFL? The NFLPA? No. Nope. And all that's political theater anyway. It's it's political is not the right word. All that is NFL theater anyway. Of course, the NFLPA is going to. Guess what? Guess what happens when you make a stink with the NFL and the NFLPA? Yeah, work stoppages, strikes. Who makes money then? Nobody. Uh, guys, the NFL is a machine, and you cannot stop it at all. So I don't know who's doing the suing and who's going to lose their jobs. Would the Dolphins theoretically, you know, sacrifice a, t- a team doctor or somebody on their medical staff? Sure. But that's it. Will the NFL, for kicks and giggles, find the Dolphins? For not following protocol, sure. Here's your million-dollar fine, Stephen Ross. Just go to your piggy bank and grab it out and give it to us. Like, what, what are we talking about here? It's, it, it's, it's almost like a laughable joke that people think something is really, really punitive is going to come from this. It's not, because it never has. We've, we've seen this movie before. We know exactly how it goes. And at the end of the day, nothing happens. There's a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing. That is why the NFL will never be taken down. Remember, it's a private business now. Private business now. They got rid of their nonprofit status. So everything they do is under their umbrella. Fine. Folks, if you'd like to change something about the NFL, you have to unequivocally get a large majority of Americans to stop watching. That's it. That's how you change the game. And unless you're going to stop watching... The NFL will continue to thrive, survive, and live in richness and spoils. That's it. That's that's the game right there. Tua is not going to sue the Dolphins. Period. Unless he effectively wants to end his NFL career. That could be a possibility. Absolutely could be. But I don't see it happening. For the record. That would be one of the most surprising, shocking things that I would ever see of my adult lifetime or my career covering sports and being involved around sports. That a player who is this age, this young, before signing a major contract and a major deal, sues the league, ends his career, and walks away. Especially one who's kind of like on the precipice of stardom. You know, getting up there, starting to grab some attention, some headlines this year. Yeah. Hmm. That would be a move of massive proportions that nobody saw coming. No matter how many NFL players and people scream about it on Twitter, and guys like me screaming about it on Twitter last night. And oh, by the way, Tony Gonzalez made a huge jackass out of himself last night. Sorry to say, him getting on there at halftime going, well, this is just part of the game. No, dummy, it's not. Sending people to the hospital is not part of the game. Stop normalizing it. That's ridiculous. Don't make that 
the the lazy excuse, well, it's part of the game. So uh, anyway, we're we're done with all that. Good. Okay. Final thoughts before we get out of here. A couple of uh, games that we like for the weekend. All right, in college, uh, a couple of just just a couple of games that I'm really eyeing up really well here. Uh, Mississippi State at home against Texas A&M. Mississippi State laying three and a half. Uh, Will Rogers in the air raid offense will be able to score on a very good Texas A&M defense. And I do like Texas A&M actually to be able to put up some points. Their offense has gotten progressively better since they've made the switch to quarterback Max Johnson um, over the past couple of weeks. But uh, their luck for winning games has run out. Um, they they can't get missed field goals and they can't get Miami to, to make a, you know, a bunch of mistakes in the red zone and everything else the way they did the last two weeks to sneak out with wins. It ends this week. Uh, Mississippi State's going to win this game and cover the three and a half. So uh, back in the Bulldogs in Starkville, uh, especially, again, now that they're playing what you would call technically two consecutive road games for AM. Uh, as last week they were at AT&T Stadium against Arkansas. Now um, they're away from College Station in Bryan, Texas, and, and heading to Starkville. So give me Mississippi State. Kentucky is getting seven points from uh, – oh, God. Total blank. Ole Miss, thank you. <laughs> uh, I like Ole Miss, and I like their offense, and I love Lane Kiffin. This is too many points. They get Chris Rodriguez back. This is a Kentucky defense. It's not only one of the best in the SEC, but best in the country. Uh, I think Ole Miss can still win this game. I don't know if can, Kentucky can pull it out. They need something pretty special from Chris Rodriguez and Will Levis, who, oh, by the way, is going to be an NFL quarterback. So just note that down. If you're not, not paying attention, Will Levis will be drafted probably in the second or third round next year. Uh, of the NFL draft. All that said, uh, Kentucky will keep this thing close. It's the kind of game that Mark Stoops thrives on. Um, and Kentucky has been 8-1-1 one one against the number in his last 10 games against teams with a winning record. What does he do? He shows up and plays best in those big games. So there's including covering against Georgia last year. So there's that. Uh, so we'll take Kentucky getting the seven points. And then we're going to take Arkansas getting the 17 and a half from Alabama. There still are some 17 and a halfs out there. You might only see 17s if you find them, but uh, this is just way too many. I think it's way too many points. Arkansas came, came, got sort of garbage touchdown, garbage time touchdown it to make it within one score game last year. But it was back and forth for 60 minutes last year. They, they racked up over 1,100 yards, these two teams. They had 50 first downs combined. I don't know if the scoring pace will keep that because, again, you know he's not running around in the secondary. Uh, John Mechie third, Jameson Williams, and Traylon Burks. Those guys aren't running around in the field this game. So things will probably slow down a little bit. Uh, but I still think there can be offense in this game, and I still think that Arkansas is going to cover this big number. I genuinely do. Because they're, they are a better team this year. They're more well-equipped to do it. I don't care if they struggled with Missouri State or anything else. This is a different matchup. This is SEC football. These games are tighter. Um, they're a little bit lower scoring for the most part. And uh, uh, I think Arkansas is ready to take on an Alabama team that maybe – has more holes than we think. That Texas game showed us a lot. It really, really did. And plus Arkansas, you know, the three games this year, they've played two power fives and, and, and another ranked opponent in Cincinnati. So they played Cincinnati. They've already played South Carolina. And then they played A&M last week. A little bit more battle-tested than Alabama, who's played, you know, Texas. Uh, Vanderbilt doesn't count as an SEC opponent. They are, but they're not. And then two other cupcakes. So uh, Arkansas a little bit more battle tested uh in the nfl uh i might hate this pick later but um minnesota in london against the saints you get the news today that 
Teddy Bridgewater did not practice. I mean, I'm sorry, Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> Jameis Winston did not practice. So it's going to be Andy Dalton starting for the Saints uh, at, at two and a half. That line's going to shift, so you better move quick um, if it hasn't already shifted. But uh, locked in at two and a half with the injury news for the New Orleans Saints, which is not good. They are severely banged up. Everybody with the exception of Chris Olave seems to be hurt on the offensive side of the ball. So uh, we'll back Minnesota here. Um, and the Raiders, as crazy as it sounds, guys, uh, the 0-3 Raiders are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Denver Broncos. Why is an 0-3 team favored against the 2-1 and team? Because they're going to win the game. That's why. That's the short answer to it. So uh, a couple other games in the NFL – Really got my own. One of my, my listen. My favorite NFL bet of the week, guys. Sunday night, Chiefs, Tampa. Um, right now, the game is scheduled to be played in Tampa. I haven't seen anything else yet that's saying that it won't. Uh, I love the over forty-five. Here's the thing, guys. Tampa's offense not only is getting Mike Evans back, but they're getting more healthy. They've had a lot of reps now with this makeshift offensive line that hasn't been as bad as you wanted it to be or thought it was going to be. You know, um, they're going to be able to get to 20 points. Do you really think that that KC can't get to, to at least 24? You think you're going to hold KC to under 20 points two weeks in a row? <laughs> not happening. Not really sure who wins the game. I'd probably lean on Tampa. That's why this game is a pick 'em because these teams are closer than you think. That said, uh, this thing is going over 45. That's my best bet of the week. All right. Remember, uh, on your Amazon Fire Stick, download Roku TV and check out Locked On Sports Atlanta every single day. We're also free on YouTube wherever you get your podcast. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give that thumbs up. Like all the content. You see, I do it. You do it. Thumbs up. Uh, and. Make sure you guys uh, are, are giving us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ETL, Matt Marzino, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. That'll do it for us here on this Friday. Enjoy college football on Saturday. Love college football, uh, pro football on Sunday. And we'll be back on Monday to recap it all. You guys have a great weekend. Don't take the crap from anybody. See ya.